Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. We pray that God speaks to you during this message and that he moves in your life. Let me just take a moment and let's just, let's just pray. And Father, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God that is in control. You're the God that's in control. We can read that from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And we know that we win. So we don't, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. And so we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you purchased. And so we stand as the, the ecclesia of the living God, Christ's ecclesia. And we are the sons and daughters of a good heavenly father who sees all, who knows all, omniscient, all-knowing, all all those things omnipresent, like you're everywhere at once. And so we find our assurance, we find our trust is established in you. And we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Everyone said amen? Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, I I feel like, you know, these last few uh, messages have been just kind of like... um, just kind of bullet points, things I, I am working through personally. Um, I value just being candid with you. I value transparency. I, I value authenticity. Um, and we are all moving through this uh, time globally together. And I know I've, tr- I've said this many times, and I'll say it again, that I, Psalm 23 says that we're going to go through the valley. And I, so I just believe we're going through. We're going through. In fact, if you're watching, just declare it. You know, we're going through the valley. And, um, and the, the good news is that the Lord actually prepares a table for us in the middle of the valley, in the middle of the wilderness. Uh, he prepares a table for us. So we have a choice uh, as we're going through this valley for, for the capital C church, say, the, our nation, that we have a choice to either walk past that banqueting table and be filled with fear and anxiety and all those kinds of things, or we could actually choose to sit down and enjoy the presence of the Lord in the middle of it. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. You know, we're in a valley, but, but we actually, as believers, as sons and daughters of the living God, we actually have an opportunity to sit down in the presence of the Lord and feast on the presence in the middle of the valley. And that, that gives me, I mean, so much confidence and so much assurance. And that, that, that distinguishes us. You know, Moses says, you know, if you don't go with me, how do, how do the people know that you're with me? And the Lord says, my presence will go with you. And the presence of God actually distinguishes uh, us as believers. And that, you know, the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding distinguishes us as believers. And when the, when the world is panicking, when people are panicking, I'm telling you, one of the greatest messages that we could be preaching right now is the peace of God that's resting on us. It doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean we don't, uh, we don't engage. It, doesn't mean, it just means that there's something deeper going on inside of us uh, that the world doesn't understand. And so I just want you to, to hang on to that, the, the peace of God that's, that's ruling in your heart. I also feel like we're in this 
you know, Isaiah 54, 2 says that our, our you know, the, the tent pegs are being stretched. I feel like God is stretching a lot of us, uh, but he's stretching us into new territory. This is new territory. This is territory that, that uh, we're gaining ground in. And so we can, look at the, we can look at the negative parts of things. We can look at, you know, what's going on. But we can also see, you know, what are we learning in this process? What is God teaching us? How are we growing in the middle of this? And I just want you to be mindful and be prayerful about that. Uh, so, uh, which kind of leads me to, you know, I, I think it was on Thursday night. I just want to share. I, I wrote about this on my, um, on my blog. And... Um, but it was that I went to bed on, oh, I think Thursday night, filled with peace. I went to I, I went to sleep quickly. You know, I'm an early riser, and uh, I go to sleep fairly early. Um, and so, man, my my head hit the pillow. I think five minutes later, I was I was you know I was enjoying the presence of the Lord uh, while I was sleeping. And it was about three three thirty in the morning. And I, I, I just, I woke up and I was, my heart was filled with uh, anxiety. I, I was thinking about um, our nation. I was thinking about the economy. Uh, I, you know how your mind can just drift like instantly. Like I started thinking about, I went from thinking about the economy to a, a great depression for our nation. Uh, and and I, I was, my heart was, was filled with uh, anxiety and I, I just had no idea where it came from. Like, I, I went to sleep with peace, and I woke up with anxiety. And um, it was almost like there, there was anxiety lurking somewhere in my heart. And, and I just get, I get mad at that kind of stuff. I, I, you know, anxiety, you're an intruder. Anxiety, you're a thief. Matthew chapter 6 tells, tells me to don't be anxious, you know, you know, you don't live in a place of worry. Seek first the kingdom. And I was laying there and I was, you know, scripture verses were bouncing into my head. And I, I thought of Isaiah 26, 3, where it says, you know, that the, the, the peace of God, um, it's the peace of God coming out of the trust of God. I can't remember. What is that verse? Anyway, very familiar. What is that verse? Okay, Isaiah 26.3, when he's like, let's look it up. So I can't believe I forgot it. But um, yes, but let me, yes, yes. Isaiah 26, yes, yes, it's right, yeah. So, man, I can't believe that. So you will keep, uh, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust you. So I just said, Lord, Fill me with your peace. I trust you in the middle of this. So I tried, to, I tried to go back to sleep. I couldn't go back to sleep. I got up, and I just was, and then the Lord brought me to a very familiar portion of Scripture, um, Philippians chapter 4, verse, verses 6 and 7. I just want to read it to you this morning. Do not be anxious about anything. Wow, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, like it almost bypasses the mind. 
It's the peace of God. It's the, it's the, the, the place where he anchors himself in our spirit will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So right away I just say, okay, Lord, fill me with your peace right now. Like, I refuse to be anxious about anything. I want to be a person who is led forth with peace. And so I feel like it's, it's really important as we kind of dive in a little bit more this morning is that we have to be intentional about protecting the kingdom of God within. We have to be intentional about protecting the kingdom, the presence of God within, inside of us. This word peace, it, where it says, may the peace of God, you know, um, with, that transcends all understanding, it'll guard our hearts. And that, that word guard is actually a military word. It, Paul chose a military word, which means um, back in his day, it was when a centurion or a guard would actually post himself in front of a house to protect the inside of the house. So he's saying here, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, of course, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, and the peace of God will guard your heart. And the peace of God will actually station itself in front of your heart. And so, so when anxiety steps in, and I know for, I, I mean, you could just jump on social media, th there's, a, there's anxiety, there's worry, there's, there's things that are happening in our, in our culture right now, in our nation right now, that, that has many people alarmed, whether you're a believer or whether you're not a believer. And, and so, it's, it's vital for us not to, not to wrap ourselves into that to where anxiety fills our heart, but we have to be intentional about praying and petitioning about everything. We have to bring these before the Lord, and when we pray and when we talk to God, when we commune with God, when we're abiding in Christ, when, when we're praying without ceasing, when we're praying in the Spirit of God, when we're praying in our prayer language, the Word of God says, then peace comes as a centurion. Peace comes as a guard and puts itself right at the very doorways of our heart, protecting the kingdom of God that was, that's within us. And we have to be people who have wisdom and understanding, but yet are ruled in this place where, where actually peace is ruling our heart. And the peace of God doesn't always make sense. It, it, it goes beyond our, our understanding. And people are going to say, well, you should be worried about this, and you should be worried about that, and you should be filled with anxiety about this, and all these things. But no, it's the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding, that sets a guard in front of the door of our heart and our mind, protecting us so that we can hear the voice of God. Right now, we need believers who are hearing from heaven and bringing what is in heaven to earth. We can't be people who are panicking here, panicking there. Pan the, the ecclesia of God needs, before we can actually close these gates that are coming into our, 
nation with this virus and all the stuff that's happening, we have to be men and women of peace. Now, one thing that Bill Johnson says that I, I love is that if you don't, if I don't have peace, I have to figure out where I left it. So if, I, if the peace of God is not ruling in my heart, find out where you dropped it. And so it might have been that phone call this morning that you had. Oh, that's where, that's where I left it. I, I need to go back and I need to pick up the peace of God. Maybe it's that social media string that you read where there was arguments going back and forth and you, you started feeling anxious. Maybe, maybe, you left, maybe you left God's peace there. But we, ha- we have to be intentional to find that place where we dropped it and say, no, I, you know, I, I know where I left it. I refuse to you know, buckle into that place of anxiety. I want the peace of God now to rule my heart and I want to go into a place of just simple communion with the Father. So in verse eight, then it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. So in context, my word of encouragement, and, and it, you guys, it might get, it might get, it might get harder. It, it might get, it, it might go deeper. It, we don't know what's ahead of us. The prophets probably have a good idea of what's ahead of us, and I think we need to be listening to them. But, but for, for, my, for my family, for, for me, for you, I'm zealous this morning, and I'm encouraging you. We can't be people who are stressing out, who are filled with fear, filled with anxiety. We must have the peace of God ruling in our heart. And part of that prescription of maintaining the peace of God in our life is actually to dwell on or to focus on verse eight. And I want you to look at verse eight as prayer points. So whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, we want the Lord to bring this into every part of our nation. Right now, there's a battle for truth. Right now, we're trying to figure out what is true and what isn't true. And I find in John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? We have all kinds of things going on. But for us as believers, right, we have to, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. Our hearts have to be swept clean in the, pla- in the places where things have come in that aren't true, that aren't noble, that aren't praiseworthy. That has to be our focus. And our, I said it before and I'll say it again, our focus determines our reality. Whatever we're putting our focus on actually begins to impact my life and my heart. And to be honest, like, I, I want to be a spiritual leader who is knowledgeable, who's understanding the times, who, who understands, like, what's going on, who's, who's wanting to be informed, who's wanting to hear from the Spirit, who's wanting to hear about 
all these things are going on, and I, and I, drift, my, I drift more toward maybe the news or social media or what's going, and I have to realign my thinking, and I have to fix my eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is not rocked. Jesus is not panicking. Jesus is in this place. The, the Godhead is in this place of absolute peace and wisdom. Remember I said that as sons and daughters, we are in fellowship with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If I were to put three chairs out here in a diamond shape, I would take you and I would plant you. I would plant me right in the middle of that diamond, or that triangle, where it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is where you are. That is where I am. We are actually seated in heavenly places. And from that place, I, I have an, I'm encouraged to actually move forward in the things of God and not have my heart be filled with fear. I wanna, if you have your Bibles or your, your phones, I, I wanna go to Mark chapter eight, and I wanna look at this, this, uh, this story that takes place, Mark chapter eight, 14 through 21. And I just wanna make a simple point uh, out of this story. It says here, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. So remember, like Jesus just, just got done feeding the 4,000. Okay, let me just reiterate that. He just got done feeding 4,000 people, right? Maybe even more. And so they get in the boat, and there's actually one loaf of bread in the boat. Now, they, that means that whatever the scraps were, either they, they ate it or they forgot it. But they get on the boat. Jesus is, Jesus is in the boat. There's this one loaf of bread that's in there. I don't know if it was that big, this big round. I don't know, right? So verse 15, Jesus says, um, be careful. Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So the Pharisees represent the religious community. Herod represents the political community. So here they are, they're in this boat. He just got done feeding the 4,000. There's a loaf of bread sitting there and Jesus is in the boat. Let me tell you, when Jesus is in the boat, if you only have one loaf of bread, you're fed for a lifetime. Just saying, right? So Jesus goes ahead and makes this statement. In verse 16, it says, they discussed this with one another and said, is it because we have no bread? What an interesting discussion <laughs> that they have. Is it because we have no bread that Jesus says, hey, watch out for the yeast of uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, like their bread. Like we don't have any bread, but maybe, it will... I don't know what they were thinking. But he makes this point and then Jesus goes ahead and he addresses them with about five or six questions. In verse 17, it says, be aware Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 
And they said, 12. And when, he, when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? And they said, seven. And then he just leaves it open, and he asked his question. He said to them, do you still not understand? Wow, that's kind of an interesting way to conclude that story. In the natural, Jesus will take care of us, even if there's one loaf of bread inside the boat, because all, all that we need is Jesus in the boat, and he'll take care of us. I know some of you have been laid off. Some of you have, I'm just, I'm just saying that as long as Jesus is in the boat, you're going to be taken care of. And can you imagine 40 years in the wilderness with over 3 million people, and they had, they had food in the morning and food at night. And God supernaturally fed them for those many years. But in the Spirit, I just want to encourage you, just along the lines of what we're facing right now, is that don't allow the yeast of religion or the political spirit into our houses and into our hearts. Right now, we're, there's, there's a lot of voices going on, and we have to be in tune with what is Jesus saying. You're going to see some stuff, even from the religious community. You're definitely going to hear things from the political community, but what's important is what the yeast of the kingdom is all about. What is he saying? Remember, in the Old Testament, Whenever there, was a, whenever there was Passover, they would actually sweep the house clean. They would take all the yeast out. And I, I just would encourage you, make sure that the yeast of the, the, the religious community or the Pharisees, in one translation is Pharisees and Sadducees, I mean one uh, area in Scripture, other area in Scripture, another gospel, it was Pharisees and Sadducees, and then it was, then it was Herod. And I just want to encourage you, just along with this whole line of anxiety and worry and all these things that are happening around us, is that we have to make sure that the house, our house, has been swept clean of any religious or political spirit that's, that might be trying to gain a foothold into our heart. And the reason why we, we would, I mean, one of the telltale signs that we'll know that is that we begin to be, we begin to be filled with tension and anxiety instead of the peace of God ruling in our hearts. That actually goes beyond all understanding. Let me just say that it doesn't take much for God to move. It doesn't take, God doesn't require a whole bunch of things to fall in place for him to actually engage a nation and to bring change. It says in scripture that if just a little bit of yeast in dough actually affects the whole lump, that means that, that being, being salt and being light, being yeast in, let's just call it the, the dough of our culture, that we would have a profound effect. One of the things that I, I continue to, to marvel at is that we think that because, some of will even call us a remnant, because we're, we're this remnant that somehow, you know, um, maybe God's not going to show up like he should or... Maybe God's not going to transform a nation like he, he wants to or like we want to or whatever, whatever it is that, and I'm just letting you know that just like yeast is to dough, God has sowed you, God has put you 
in the place where you are to impact it for the glory of God. And don't ever underestimate Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't ever underestimate the power of the Spirit of God that's in you that actually can be, <clears throat> can be released to the world. I mean, I was just thinking about Moses in Egypt. I mean, some of these things started coming into my mind this morning. You know, one man, I mean, I don't know what the population of Egypt was then. I know that the children of Israel were close to 3 million. So let's just say Egypt was 6 million. One man, 6 million people, and God sent a deliverer who just kind of heard, he heard the voice of God, and he moved in on God's assignment, and the whole nation of Israel was delivered. I, I was thinking about Aaron as he was running to the plague. As a plague was breaking out, that Moses said to Aaron, take the censer, take the coals, put the incense on the coals, and run into the diseased, and bring intercession and prayer. And when Aaron did it, then the scripture says that the plague stopped. One man with a heart of intercession and petition going into the plague changed the entire scenario where the plague actually ended. We have, that's an Old Testament picture. We have a New Testament reality. We have Christ inside of us. And, and there, you know, God was on the outside, but now God is on the inside. And so in the Old Testament, you can't touch a leper. In the New Testament, Jesus was bold enough to put his hand on a leper. I'm just saying that everything changes uh, with the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We see Gideon. Gideon is is ready to go to battle, 300 against 10,000. It doesn't take much for God to change a nation. It doesn't take much for God to change a neighborhood, the Silicon Valley. It just doesn't take much. But we have to be people who pray. And I'm, I'm telling you, if we would pray as much as we worry or as much as we're, you know, just discussing the, the nation are having conversation in the nation, if we would just pray more than we're doing that, I believe we'll have a profound effect. Doesn't matter what the governor of New York says, when he says that God, you know, God had nothing to do with the flattening of the curve, God had nothing, we know, we know that God did it. We know that the prayers of the righteous avail much. We know that our intercession is making a difference. We know that God is on the move in our nation, regardless of what any politician or governor says, though I respect the office, I, I want to let you know that God is doing profound things in our country. And so we can say amen to that. We have to say amen to that. I'm thinking of David, you know, David versus Goliath. I'm thinking that, you know, Jehoshaphat, when he was going out to war and he led forth, he, you know, he, he, the, the leaders of the army were people of worship and praise. We see Elijah at Mount Carmel, like here he is, one man against 450 prophets. And so that's like, I mean, I'm the kind of person who would actually do the numbers, right? So that's like point, you know, point two, you know, 0.2%, you know, one to 450. What's the ratio? Like one man against 450 prophets and God shows up with, with, with just one person. And it was after that showdown that God, that Elijah sends 
his servant and says, tell me what you see on the horizon. And finally, after seven times, the servant comes back and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And that was enough for Elijah. And sometimes what will happen is that we have to have a showdown before revival hits. And I believe right now that, that what's happening in our, in our nation, with, and actually globally with this, with this you know, COVID-19, however way we're measuring it, right? Whatever facts are coming in or not coming in, doesn't matter, is that I believe God's gonna gain the glory and he is gonna get the victory. And he is gonna use his church, his ecclesia to actually do that, partner with him. And not be in a place of fear, not be in a place of torment. I believe that God is raising us up. I believe that we're learning lessons that we haven't, we've been forced to learn. And we're, we're nowhere near the, the persecution that we see in so many other churches around the world. We're in this place where, yes, it's very uncomfortable. We're, we're in this place where, where we're actually having to do this online. Like, I never thought we'd be in a place where we're actually having service online. You're joining me, you know, online. But I'm finding that, that what the church is learning, like some of the things I'm thinking about what the church is learning is that um, our identity is not in a building. Our identity is in Christ. For, for many of my fellow pastors, their identity is found in how many people are coming to their service and, you know, their chairs filled up and all this. Right now, we don't have... There, there's no chairs that are, there's, there's empty chairs. And, and it's the measure is our identity is not in all this. Our identity is actually in the Lord, regardless of whether we meet in the church building or not. I think that we're learning um, to love each other beyond the walls of the church. Like right now, what I'm seeing is that there's massive connections that are taking place, some out of just sheer desperation, but there's massive connections taking place. There's unity in the body of Christ like I've never seen before. There's connections that are happening like I've never seen before. And yes, it can never, it can never uh, replace seeing somebody face to face, like seeing you guys and giving you guys a hug. We're gonna get there. I mean, I promise you we're gonna get there, but I'm just telling you, like, we have to embrace the lessons that we're, we're living and observing, being a part of. We're learning that Ministry doesn't exist inside the walls of a building. Ministry actually exists person to person. And there's new ways of doing ministry. There's new, new ways of serving each other. So we're, we're looking at that. We're growing in that reality. I'm learning new levels of trust in God like I've never known before. Like how do I, how do I lead my family? How do, I, how do I lead a spiritual family like you, you all? How do I... How do I navigate these, these waters yet maintain a level of trusting God, like being real with this, trusting God, having faith in God, having hope in God, like in the middle of all that's taking place. So God is bringing me into new levels of trust. God is bringing me into new levels of faith. And I'm learning to, to trust God in areas where it was in areas where it was easy to trust God, I'm learning that those, it's almost like those things have been pulled from me and I'm learning to find ways of expressing and having faith in God um, regardless of or in spite of the things that I maybe 
uh, wasn't concerned about or didn't worry about. And God is, God is moving me into new areas of faith. God is moving me into new areas of trust. And lastly, God is, God is showing me what Christ's ecclesia is all about. I, I mean, um, when we brought this message three years ago to our house, I, I mean, yes, it was there in concept. Yes, we were working that out. Yes, we were, we were being challenged by what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. But now, over the last four or five weeks, man, we are living it. You know, I, I was just in worship, and I was sitting there, and I was like, wow, what, what was it like to even gather together? You know, it's, it's almost like this is, thing has been going on for so long. Like, I miss you all. I miss that connection. But man, it just seems like this is, and I was thinking about Acts chapter 2, and I was, I was thinking about the church in Antioch where there was no temple. You know, I was thinking about Ephesus. I was thinking about Antioch. I was thinking about there was a, there wasn't a, there was a synagogue possibly, but that was like a room of a house. You know, they, they didn't have church buildings like we have today. And, and, and there was a massive revival in Antioch. There was a massive revival in Ephesus. There was a massive revival. I mean, they were flipping and turning cities upside down. They didn't have worship teams. They didn't have worship bands. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have text messaging. They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have all these things, but God moved, and that gives me hope. That gives me hope. They didn't have YouTube. They didn't have, we, at least we have the technology. You know, they didn't have any of that kind of stuff. They had the Holy Spirit. They had the presence of, of the Lord. They had signs and wonders and miracles. And these are the things that I put my anchor in. It's like I'm reading. Read through the book of Acts. Find out, you know, read where God was moving in Antioch. And read where, and you'll be encouraged. You'll see what God was doing in spite of not having the buildings per se that we have. Though I am, I am thoroughly thankful and I'm grateful for the buildings that we do carry, we do have, uh, all those kinds of things, but we're learning what it is to be the church. We're learning what it is to be the body of Christ. We're learning, we're, we're, we're moving with our hearts out. We're moving, we're being more intentional with phone calls and checking in with one another. And you guys, that's what a spiritual family is all about. That's what a spiritual family is all about. So keep doing it. Keep Keep encouraging each other. I mean, that's why Paul says to encourage each other. Really, that word means to put courage in somebody. That means like shoot out a text. We have the technology. We're learning how to be Christ's ecclesia in this moment, like in this very hour. And, and we're, we're, blazing, we're blazing trails. Like I, I don't even remember in recent history that this has ever happened. Like we're in such new ground right now. But it's, it's something that God is not disconnected from. God is not disconnected from where we're at. He's vitally in union with us. And he'll see us through for his glory and honor. So we just wanna say, we just as I kinda wrap things up here and kinda land the plane, I, I just feel like I want, my desire is that the peace of God would rule your heart. And 
maybe I'm speaking prophetically, but in the coming days, with what's going to be happening this week and all the stuff that's happening with our nation politically and all this kind of stuff, I'm just saying, don't stress out. Don't let anxiety get, gain a foothold in your heart. Let, through prayer and petition, let the peace of God stand as a sentry, as a guard in front of the door of your heart. And make sure that you take all the leaven out. Be intentional. Take all the leaven out, the religious spirit, the political stuff. Take it all out. Doesn't mean we can't be involved. I'm just saying that it can't have a foothold in our heart. And I hope that makes sense. So I, I embrace Christians being involved in the seven mountains. Like I'm all in. Just make sure that, that those kinds of things don't infiltrate the heart in such a way that the peace of God runs out the door. We don't want that. We don't want that. We want the kingdom. We want to protect the kingdom of God within us. And lastly, is just, and understand this too, that, that if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? So there is a place of joy in the midst of it. There is a place of faith in the midst of this. There is a place of solid trust that's not, uh, that's not stagnant, but active in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you with that. And I want to, I want to close in prayer. And if, if there's any of you this morning that you're filled with, I don't know, uh, anxiety has a foothold in your heart. Anxiety has a foothold in your heart. And you're just going to be honest. You're just going to say, Pastor Greg, Pete, you know, yeah, that's me. If that's you, I know this is kind of weird. Just put your hand up and just say, yeah, I, I recognize that. I, and I don't want it. I don't want, I don't want to be anxious. And I, and I want to trust God. Just put your hands up. And maybe you're in a room, a family room, living room, maybe with family. Um, and if, if family's there, I just want you to, you know, with permission, just, just lay hands on them. I want, to, I want to pray. And I want to believe God for you. All right? So, Father, thank you um, that you're the God of peace. And I want to pray for anybody or whatever, people who've, who've slipped their hands up and they're saying, that's me. Uh, I just pray right now that the anxiety would supernaturally leave the heart, and I pray that the presence of the living God would fill it. And in the rooms where anxiety lives, we just say, we say no. We say, you're an intruder. You're a thief. You're coming in to rob me. And I say no to this. And I ask for the peace of God to come into my heart. So just ask him to say, Father, bring your peace into the areas of my heart that are anxious. And fill it, fill it with your presence. And let, it, let the presence of God actually rule my heart and let the peace of God actually stand guarding my heart from anything else that might come in. We just say no to all the stuff that's happening like around us that's trying to infiltrate the heart and I just pray that the, the men and women, teenagers, kids, that they would arise and Lord that we would actually make a difference and that our, our ministry to you will become um, our ministry out, you know, from us to the culture, to the world. And so we say, thank you, Jesus. In your name. 
Thanks again for listening. For more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to our channel. God bless.